Hello, welcome back to the Life Learners podcast. Hope you guys are doing all right. I wanted to talk through the New York Watch Auction 6 and go over some of my favorite lots that sold. Uh, it was this past weekend. Hopefully you had the opportunity to tune in and watch the auction yourself or perhaps be there in person if you're located in the New York City area. Um, but what I wanted to do is talk through some of the interesting lots that I found sold. Some of them um, really were significant in the in the watch market, um, watch enthusiasm, you know, it, it, they have significance to, to very, uh, a wide range of, of sort of things within the watch world. Um, it was also nice to be back in, in auction swing to see uh, people bidding on watches. It was quite exciting. This was um, <clears throat> the, the, the auction, I believe, uh, raised something like 30 million Swiss francs, which is, I think, the second highest auction result um, in the world for, for this piece. Um, sorry, not, not Swiss francs, so there was $30 million, US dollars. Um, so significant on many levels, the watches that were sold, the, the amount of money that was raised during the auction. I think also just being in New York City and having another auction take place is, of course, um, something really important. So the watch auction talk, took place from the 11th to 12th of June, which was Saturday and Sunday of this past week, and featured 163 lots. The lots really ranged from a, a variety of different brands, but was pretty heavy on brands like Patek Philippe, Arma Piguet, Rolex. There were a ton of FP Journes as well, um, some Alangan Zöhners, some smaller chronograph brands like Zenith and Hoyer, um, but was really obviously focused heavily on the brands that you all know, which are Rolex, Patek Philippe, um, FP Journes, and, and the like. Um, some interesting pieces that were sold, some some great results. I thought I would talk through some of the some of the significant ones, at least to to me. I'll start off with one of the big, biggest lots I think for the um, for the entire auction. I was in the on the uh, on a lot of uh, different different sites. If you went on their Instagram, this was part of it. It was lot number ten. Uh, by the way, I'll put links in the show notes of this podcast to each of the watches that I speak through uh, during this time. So feel free to go there and you can check out the, the result, but also the corresponding pictures for these watches. So lot number 10 was the first one I want to talk about. It was an FP Journe. This was, the model name was the Tourbillon Sauvignon. It's a sublime and extraordinarily rare Tourbillon wristwatch with a J dial, constant force, remonteur, power reserve, deadbeat seconds, certificate of authenticity and, and presentation box. The watch dates of 2015, and I think the big the big part about this is this was a platinum uh, cased watch, 40 millimeter cased watch with this really incredible blue jade dial. Um, it was manufactured in 2019, and um, I, there were very few of these watches that were um, manufactured with a jade dial. I can get the proper amount; just I had it in my notes here, but. I am now having problems finding exactly what I um, where my notes um, sort of specified this, but it's essentially um, an incredible turbulent watch created by FP Journe, which is of course one of the hottest um, brands uh, right now. Turbion at nine o'clock time at three o'clock with a sub-seconds dial. Uh, power reserve indicator at six o'clock. It really is um, uh, an incredibly beautiful watch. It was estimated to go between two hundred and four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. 
It ended up selling for 1.24 million US dollars, which is an incredible result for it for a um, for a uh, NFP Journe uh, Turbial to, to sell for. I think it shows the. Um, I mean, it shows the worth of the brand. It shows the interest in getting an FP Journe. It shows the uniqueness of this jade dial, which you have to take a little bit more care of uh, as you're as you're owning it. A lot of FP Journes were sold in this auction, and they followed suit, um, which was quite um, quite cool to see. So that was the first lot. Again, I go to the go to the show notes because the the images of the dial, I think speak louder than maybe the words of how to describe this style it's such an incredible blue um that i i think there's going to, there was obviously a lot of interest around that piece the next watch i wanted to talk about was the lot right afterwards which was lot number 11. this is a uh, roger smith series 2 open dial um, and this one was special because it was a platinum cased series 2 open dial um, there were only two, four platinum examples of the Roger Smith's Open Work Series 2 ever manufactured out of the total of 12 across all metals. And the Series 2 offered in this lot was presented, uh, presented a unique opportunity to acquire one of the rarest and most exceptional independent made timepieces of the 21st century. So if you don't know, this is a reference uh, Series 2 open dial with a limited uh, platinum uh, wristwatch with an open dial so you're able to see the entirety of the movement it has a power reserve indication um, that uh, on on the dial of this piece and obviously Roger Smith is um, a hallmark a benchmark of fine watchmaking um, what he's he learned from uh, George Daniels George Daniels during this time of studying under him um, was hugely significant and he's applied that to the watches that he's manufactured today so I think what you're looking at is a historic watch maker with a limited series of an, a very desired piece that, that he created. I always find Roger Smith watches interesting because there's probably less finishing and panaz maybe to, to, the, to the watches that, they're produ that, that he produces if you compare it to some, maybe some other brands. But they still are incredibly manufactured and, inc and look absolutely beautiful, including the, fi the finishing that does happen to the dial or to, to, the, um, to the watch itself. So in 2017, estimated to go between 150 and 300,000 Swiss francs, it ended up going for just shy of a million uh, US dollars, excuse me. Just went for just under um, a million US dollars, 840,700 US dollars. A significant um, achievement uh, for an extremely rare piece. It might sound like I am counting up um, in the in the lots here, but the next lot is actually lot number 12 that I wanted to talk about, and this was a George Daniels anniversary piece with one of his manual wind coaxial escapements. I encourage you to do more research onto George Daniels if you are not super aware of his contribution to coaxial movements, but George Daniels um, created a coaxial movement in 1975 that was a radical 21st century invention, which resulted in uh, George Daniels detailed history study of all known previous escapements that were designed to incorporate the key features required for a particular high, particular high precision escapement and the anniversary was a way to actually commemorate the 35th anniversary of his invention of the coaxial movement 
And so the watch that was sold here was from about 2019. And um, it was from uh, 2019. And um, and uh, sorry, I, I apologize. Uh, I'm looking between things here. Uh, but it, it was a historic um, moment for him to produce this type of uh, watch, and this was an anniversary watch that he produced. Um, the watch is cased in platinum, has the manual wind coaxial movement that he was able to produce in a 40 millimeter case. What's really what was really significant about this piece and what, what made it so desirable was the idea that, well not the idea, the fact that this watch was actually movement number 00. So this was the original movement that he made for this anniversary piece. Um, so an extremely significant piece, uh, individual piece, but also an extremely um, significant watch that was produced. Um, that really it, it made watchmaking sort of take off if I'm if I'm honest so it's an extremely rare spectacular and historic important platinum coaxial limited edition wristwatch with a date and power reserve indication obviously came with guarantees signed by George um, signed George Daniels letters and presented in a box bearing the serial number zero zero what was cool is a portion of the proceeds of this watch went to benefit the George Daniel Educational Trust and the Alliance of British Watch and Clock Making, and the Horological Society of New York, which is um, a great cause for this watch, for the proceeds of the sale to go towards. It was estimated to go between five hundred thousand and a million U.S. dollars. It ended up selling for two point, if you round, two point four million U.S. dollars. Great that a portion of the proceeds were going to educate, um, to education in watchmaking. Um, and a lucky new owner obviously has a very significant watch in, in the history of George Daniels and watchmaking, coaxial movements. Um, you name it, it's probably part of some, some sort of um, historic moment with, with these pieces. All right, we're going to shift a little gears a little bit to some of the maybe the oddballs here, but I wanted to talk about lot number 36 next. This was a Rolex reference 116503, which is a two-tone steel and yellow gold um, Rolex Daytona. It sounds like a basic uh, watch for any watch auction. Maybe the two-tone is a little bit interesting, but what's really unique about this watch is that it's unusual and possibly unique um, because it has a factory air dial. It sounds a little bit weird that it would be released from the factory, but what you're actually looking at is a watch that has an air on the dial. So this reference typically has Daytona written uh, at six o'clock in red font. What's interesting about this piece is that is actually missing from the dial of this 116503. Now, of course, you're probably thinking, ah, oh, it's a redial. It never was actually um, produced that way. This is a fake. Well, Phillips went to the extent to get in touch with Rolex and they have an email a printed email that cor with correspondence with Rolex USA confirming the authenticity of the dial and that the error actually did indeed occur when this watch was produced. So pretty cool. You're getting possibly a one-off mistake from one of the largest watch brands ever. Um, 
it was estimated to go between 10 and 20,000 US dollars. It ended up selling for 63. I think, again, this is one of those things where it's like, you have Daytona collectors, a lot of Rolex collectors look for the little small iterations or little small changes that happen between references or, or things that happen on the dial. This one obviously is an error and is a significant part of uh, Rolex history because you just don't see a lot of these errors often. So pretty cool lot there. Aesthetically speaking, I wanted to talk about lot number 131. Um, this is a Vacheron Constantin 43050, which is an extremely rare and vi vibrant um, an interesting limited platinum wristwatch with retrograde hours and minutes, polychrome Granfre cloisonné enamel dial depicting the Americas, and a guaranteed booklet made one of 10 pieces. So this was produced in 2003, 36mm platinum case. You might have seen these uh, on Instagram or YouTube. Um, a really beautiful example of a retrograde um, movement from... from um, from Vacheron Constantin. Like I mentioned, the uh, polychrome Granfre uh, cloisonné enamel dial is really the staple of these pieces where it depicts a certain uh, image, this one being the Americas. Um, and um, a highly desired watch um, uh, from collectors. What's really cool is if you flip it over, you actually have the display case back so you can see the movement that this watch is taking on. Um, it was estimated to go between twenty-five and fifty thousand U.S. dollars. It went for one hundred thirty-two thousand three hundred U.S. dollars. For me, I think just from an aesthetic perspective, it's nice to see these watches come about and, and do so well. I'm obviously a huge Vacheron Constantin collector, and having retrograde movements is a is a fun way of telling time and just something a little bit different than your typical center center hours and center mi center minute um, time telling devices. Lot number 148 is the next one I want to talk about. This is with Rolex 6605, which is um, an early uh, date just reference. This watch um, was a, a pretty attractive lot. Obviously, you have a very um, early iteration of the Rolex um, date just here. But I think what made this so, so significant is the condition that this watch was in. So. You're actually looking at, uh, if you're looking at the pictures with me, you're looking at a stainless steel watch with a stainless steel bezel. Um, they just have become hugely popular because it's sort of a nice entry place into Rolex, presents sort of like a sporty yet formal way of, of, of having a watch on your wrist. But this watch was in absolutely pristine condition. It came with literally everything you could think of. Rolex guarantee, green leather Rolex presentation box, chronometer rated certification dated the 20th of December 1956, came with hand tags, product literature, and outer packaging. It was estimated to go between 2,000 and 4,000 uh, US dollars, which uh, I'd say is fairly conservative for, for this, the age of this, um, of this uh, date just, and it's significant sort of in the, in the makeup of, of Rolex. Um, it ended up going for 56,700 US dollars, which is way more than maybe you would originally think. But I think it, what was really exciting about this, if you watched, is the people who got involved in this. You actually had some of the RL Box bid on this watch. I think there were some other um, individuals who worked for Philips who were bidding on this watch. And I think that it showed the significance of this, uh, this watch to, um, to the overall history of Rolex, the overall history of the Datejust. 
and that's why it went for so much more than what what um, Phillips estimated it to go to. I mean, it came on the stainless steel riveted bracelet, which oyster bracelet, which is, uh, I mean, it's it's just mind blowing the condition that this watch was in. Um, I don't. I'm forgetting who actually was on the uh, rostrum at the time, but um, they basically said, you know, you're not going to find a, a date just in this kind of condition. Pretty incredible. I'm gonna do a quick, quick shout out to MBNF because they did have a, a piece that went in this auction. It was lot number 158, um, which was one of their Legacy Machine number twos with a uh, lacquered dial, lacquered blue dial. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of MBNF. I love everything that they they do. This was uh, Legacy Machine number two from 2015 in platinum. Um, the, uh, the the watch was number 10 of 18, which is significant. What was really cool is I actually had an opportunity. I was in New York recently and went to Cellini, and they actually had the same exact dial variation of this Legacy Machine number 2. But what was cool, it was actually number 6 of 18. So I've actually now seen two iterations of the Legacy Machine number 2 with this blue dial. watch was estimated between 50 and 100,000. It ended up going for 151,000. The one I saw at Cellini, actually, I think they had listed for 160, so pretty pretty in line with where these are where these are currently selling for. Um, nice to see MBNF feature in in these auctions, though. Last watch I wanted to talk about was the absolute last um, lot of this of this auction, and that was um, lot number 163. It was a Patek Philippe 5711, obviously a very very popular. Um, very very popular reference from Patek Philippe. It was their one of their data uh, time only Nautiluses. This one had an olive green dial stainless steel case uh, that was released in 2021. hugely hugely anticipated. Many people love this watch. 5711s and very difficult to get your hands on. So as you can imagine, you know a lot of interest around this lot. Not too much I can say about this when it comes to the you know historical significance. I think you're pretty aware of the 5711 and how historic it is with, with Patek Philippe and how desired it is. Estimated to go between 50, uh, 80 and 160,000 US dollars. It ended up going for 478,800 US dollars. Well over the estimates. So much interest on this piece. Uh, great result for um, Patek Philippe, for Philips for the owner and for the uh, the new owner. <laughs> uh, congratulations, Philips. It was really uh, wonderful watching you all um, sell these watches. It was exciting to, to, to watch and, and, and see what these watches go for. It's always nice to sort of get a pulse on where the, where the market's kind of looking for some of these references. And um, this was no exception. I'll put a link in the show notes, like I mentioned, to all of the lots that I speak about. If you are interested in checking out the pictures as you watch this podcast or listen to this podcast, excuse me. If you like these types of podcasts, be sure to follow this podcast, share it with your friends who like watches. I'm sure they would uh, enjoy listening to these podcasts. If you don't know, you can check out lifeontherist.com, which has um, some more watch content for you there. You can also check us out on our social medias. There'll be links in the show notes to all of that information um, so that you can check it all out. Um, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out and iterate on these podcasts to make sure we're, I'm talking about things that you want to be, want to hear. Um, so that would be wonderful. 
And with this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and until next time.